This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. The sentencing hearing for former nurse Elizabeth Wetlaufer is underway in Woodstock, Ontario. She pleaded guilty to drugging and killing eight residents of nursing homes in Woodstock and London. The court will hear victim impact statements and Wetlaufer is expected to address family members of her victims before learning her sentence. In the midst of this, CARP has teamed up with the Advocacy Centre for the Elderly to renew demands for a public inquiry into the systematic failures that allowed this to happen. The two organizations have released an open letter to Premier Kathleen Wynne, who is said to be open to an inquiry. And as you heard in Christine's news, the problems range from understaffing to lax reporting from a variety of people who knew there was a problem with this woman, and that includes, as you heard, the College of Nurses. We want to hear from you, especially if you've had a loved one in a nursing home. What did you encounter? What do you think of the situation? And uh, do you think a public inquiry is the answer, the numbers to call? 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, let's go to Jane Medes, who is the staff litigator at the Advocacy Center for the Elderly. Hi, Jane. Hi, Libby. How are you today? Fine. How are you? Thanks for joining us. No problem. Well, uh, what do you make of this Uh First of all, how are you going with that call for a public inquiry? Uh, Do you need uh, public support? Um, What's the situation? Absolutely. We need public support. Um, People can go to the CARP website and get information on how to do that. You can call your MPP. You can contact the minister's office. You can contact Minister Hoskins' office. I think the more um, uh, pressure that we put on the government, the more... Uh, likely we will see a public inquiry. Mm-hmm. And it seems that that there are problems from top to bottom. And, uh, you know, we talked to Wanda Morris from CARP earlier, and the problem isn't a lack of re- regulation. There seems to be a lot of regulation, but uh, people get around it. How do you see this? Yeah, I mean, uh, the long-term care sector, in fact, is is one of the most highly regulated sectors uh, in Ontario, and when you compare it to other provinces, is very highly regulated. The problem is you can have regulation, um, but do people comply with it, and what is the enforcement? And enforcement, unfortunately, has been um, somewhat lax. Um, in the past. There are some changes that are being made um, and some ability to do some other things. But, you know, when it comes to something like, for example, a reporting of abuse, um, you know, there is a a mechanism to, um, it is an offense for certain persons not to report abuse, um, but no one's ever actually 
the government has never actually um, charged anybody with that, even though it's a very, actually a very common thing. Homes don't report abuse all the time. Um, you know, and, and the public, for example, wouldn't know that it's mandatory for them to uh, report abuse in long-term care. The only people that don't have to report it are residents or uh, lawyers for people, and those are the only two people that are sort of get out of having to report abuse. So, um, you know, these things are just not well known. Okay. What about staffing? I mean, there are, uh, I think, mandated levels of staffing, but are they enough? So there's actually not really a lot of mandated staffing in long-term care. Uh, the uh, There's a requirement that there be uh, one registered nurse on staff at all times. That's the only mandated sort of hands-on care. Um, so for um, other staff or including other nursing staff or personal support workers, there's actually no legislation that says how many people have to be on per resident or per time or anything else. And do we need that? I think we do. Um, we had, um, in the past, we had not a, a, a ratio so much as a minimum number of hours. Um, they removed that in favor of an outcome base. So we don't care how you get there as long as everybody is happy and clean and you're doing your job. It's up to you. However, um, we still see, uh, you know, obviously levels that are not acceptable. Um, so I think we have to put something back into the legislation. And we're looking at around probably about four hours. Per, per resident because the acuity is so high now. Now, I've, I've talked to uh, people who represent uh, nursing homes and particularly the private ones, and they say that they object to minimum staffing levels because in that case, mm -hmm. the homes will only go with the minimum. Is that a reasonable argument? Um, it's not a reasonable argument. I agree with them, though. That's what happens. Um, it's very common. If you put any number in, then that's what they go. They always go to the lowest denominator uh, with these things. And so that we have to have a combination of both either minimum staffing levels or minimum hours of care plus uh, those outcome-based measures. It's a combination. Um, you know, these people are signing contracts with the Ministry of Health. They're signing agreements with their local LINs. They're accepting government money in order to provide a service. And they have to provide the service. And if they're not, we have to, you know, do something about that. Okay. Uh, you mentioned the requirement of having a registered nurse on. Uh, unfortunately, that registered nurse was Elizabeth Wetlaufer mm -hmm. in those cases. Nursing homes say it's, you know, hard to find a nurse who will work overnight. Uh, and uh, there's the whole issue of the the bodies that self-regulate. The Ontario College of Nurses knew about problems with Elizabeth Wetlaufer, but they kept those things private. Right. So then there's two issues here. First of all, yes, it is very difficult to find staff, and it's not even just overnight staff. It's hard to find registered nurses who work in long-term care because the job is very hard and it's very poorly paid in the nursing sector. Um, and so if they want to have nurses, they're going to have to pay them properly. Um, and that's partly a funding um, issue with the government. With respect to the regulation, um, Yes, there is an issue around keeping it quiet, um, but I think even more than that, there seems to have been a lag in the time. So um, whether or not, you know, now they have a new uh, ability to do an interim suspension, which is all well and good, but if they don't actually investigate anything for two years, that's not going to happen. And so that, I think, is part of the bigger issue um, is 
you know, to say the fact that, well, they didn't report. Well, I don't know that there was much to report other than they'd had a report on a nurse who had a problem. Um, but that simply is an allegation. Um, but they're not doing the investigations quickly enough um, to turn it around to protect the public. Uh, I mean, in general, uh, I have to say that I have some issues with self-regulating bodies because mm-hmm. sometimes it seems, as an outsider, mm-hmm. that they're more interested in, in protecting their own than in protecting the public. Absolutely, and I think that's something that um, has to change, um, and it has been an issue in the past. Um, I'm, you know, I have spoken with the college of nurses and I do know that they do want to change that perspective. But again, it's not a perspective. You have to put your money where your mouth is, right? And until they're seen as protecting the public, if they're not going to do that, if the people aren't properly regulating uh, themselves, then I think that the, the government has to have a look at, you know, what's happening. And that is one of the reasons for a public inquiry is, is exactly that. Are these bodies actually protecting the public or are they in fact protecting themselves? Okay, let's take a call from Lori in Barrie. Hi, Lori. Hi, thank you for taking my call. You're very welcome. Um, I listen to your program daily, and, and when you. it's on um, this topic, I you know I listen with concern. I have a mom in a nursing home. It's a provincially run nursing home. I have no problem with it at all. It's clean. Um, I think she's well taken care of. Um, but in general, I think that Obviously, more nursing staff is needed. Um, I think that perhaps two nurses need to be doing meds and overseeing that together. You know, I know that's difficult because, you know, it always comes down to money. And um, I just think that, you know, something needs to be done. I think an inquiry does need to be done. And hopefully, if and when they do it, they'll come up with some solutions that um, makes sense and protect our vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, you have confidence in the place where your mother is. That must be uh, very comforting. It, it, it is, um, you know, and we're welcome to go there. We're welcome to go there 24 hours. Like, we can go in the middle of the night. We can just show up. And that tells me, that tells me something. Uh, Jane, do you have any comment on that? So, yeah, I mean, um, any long-term care home in the province and, and, you know, whether or not it is run by a municipality, a charitable institution, or privately run, it doesn't matter. Um, they all um, have to have the same rules. And, and being able to visit at any hour of the day, in fact, is one of them. Homes aren't actually okay. allowed to have visiting hours. And I think that's a really good thing is to come in. The issue around having two nurses, you know, um, is a difficult one because is it really the best use of the money? And that's something a public inquiry would look at. Um, or are there other methods of being able to monitor medications? I think the problem in this case is insulin is extremely difficult to monitor given the way that it is utilized. Um, and, you know, uh, it differs day to day and, and it becomes a problem. Some of the other medications are much more um, properly monitored, I think. So uh, in, in that case, what should have been monitored was Elizabeth Wetlaufer. Yeah, and uh, it, you know, it, it you know, should we have, for example, more cameras in home in in the public areas and in the working areas uh, where the staff are? Perhaps in the med areas. Absolutely. My, I just want to say, you know, my sister, who is my mother's primary person, although I'm very involved as well, um, is a nurse, 
at a, a mental health facility. Um, and um, he, he, well, I guess it goes without saying, she doesn't have any concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, she's very, you know, she's in there and she's, you know, does a lot in, and um, not physical stuff, I mean, but, you know, just taking care of my mom, you know, um, her, what am I looking for to say, just for her well-being. Um, and I think every, really what I think is that every vulnerable person in, in a nursing home um, needs to have someone like that. But I know, unfortunately, that does not happen. Yep, that's true, Lori. Thanks so much for your call. Thanks, Libby. Bye-bye. And, and Libby, I was going to say that, you know, there's, you know, we have 629 homes in Ontario, and the vast majority of them, I'm sure, are giving very good care. I think, though, that, that uh, Lori did make a good point in that it, that advocacy piece is missing for many people because families live far away or they don't have families that are active in their life. Um, and it's those people especially that I'm very concerned about because it's not only the, you know, the Elizabeth Wetlofers. It's it's you know we do get a lot of calls about negligent care and people having you know bed sores and not you know families not being told and you know we're often called by those family members and I can just you know I can't imagine what's happening for people who have no one advocating for them. Okay, well you know what I I have news for you people. It's not just in nursing homes. It's it's everywhere. If uh, you have someone in the hospital and you don't have a family member there uh, to make sure that they're being looked after properly, then uh, that is a big problem for anyone in the healthcare system, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I agree. My mother was just in the hospital um, at Christmas time, and you can bet I was there. And um, she was in for 37 days, and either myself or my dad or one of my other family members were there. But it's a sad, you know, reflection on society that you have to have someone there. You shouldn't have to have that. We should be, you know, comfortable with the facilities. And unfortunately, I don't think people are. Yeah, but um, I'm I'm not sure how you uh, get around that again. I mean, you know, from what I've what what I've seen in <clears throat> sorry in other provinces, just in in the general hospital system, that um, you really need this kind of uh, you know help from someone who was who was looking out for you. Yep, I agree, um, Jane. So just tell us again what mm-hmm. are uh, what are the kinds of calls to action. So, um, so we're actually asking for a public inquiry into this. Uh, people need to be calling their MPPs. Uh, they can go to the CARP website to get information. They need to be calling the Minister of Health, Eric Hoskins, and the Premier's office to demand a, 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 a public inquiry so that we can look at this and provide the best care possible for this vulnerable population. Okay, uh, let's just take one more call uh, before we uh, take a break and switch gears. Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Yeah, um, I have a suggestion that maybe would help in a lot of these cases in nursing homes. And it, I, it's related to, like, good restaurants. You go to a good restaurant, the waitress will drop a little form on the table, and you fill it in, and, uh, and it goes to the head office to see how that restaurant is doing. So I think that nursing homes should have something like that. It's left with the visitors. They fill it in, but it doesn't go back to the nursing home. It goes to a central body, and the, the nursing home and the patient's name or a number could be or not necessarily be, and the person who fills it out sends it, but they have to sign it because they would sometimes pull out, you know, and there'd be a blank on it, you know, like, is there good care, bad care? It's a kind of report. What did this uh, like a rating person think? System, you know J- I mean? 
Jane, is there any kind of rating system, formal or informal? Uh, well, there's certainly, you know, rate my nursing home type of websites out there. I think the problem, though, is, you know, when you have, you know, those websites, you only get the people who are either really unhappy or really super happy. And I don't know that they're very selective. Um, you know, within the system, there certainly are... Um, ways that the system actually does look at that sort of thing. So within homes, they actually have to do satisfaction reports. Problem being is that those people continue to live there, and so they may not be um, very helpful because people are afraid of saying something wrong because they think it'll come back at them. When the ministry does come in to do um, annual inspections, they actually pull a certain number of, of, of clients and they interview them and they interview family members. So there's a little bit of that going on. But the problem, again, is that those people are, are living there continually and there is, is some fear of, of, of reporting um, that there'll be retaliation. Okay. Well, Bob, thanks for that call. And, you know, I think if people started some kind of online thing and, and if you knew enough to look at it with the kind of the same caveat that you have when you look at a restaurant review, that'll be people who are a really unhappy uh, family members raving about it. But but still, those things, I think, uh, can be useful. Uh, we are about to switch gears. Jane, meet us. Uh, anything else you want to leave us with? I think that people just uh, really need to be aware of what's going in on in homes that they're looking at, where their family is living in. Um, they need to speak up. If they see things wrong, they can call the Ministry of Health Action Line. Uh, they can call the police if it's a criminal matter. Um, but they really need to speak up because the people in the homes may not be able to do so themselves. Okay. Jane Minas, thank you so much for that. Thank you, Libby. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.